Hello everybody, my name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Yesterday, we talked about the Southern Baptist Convention setting up the narrative that if you want the Southern Baptist Convention to say that only men can be pastors and enshrine that in the SPC Constitution, you are racist. That is the game that's being set up by the Southern Baptist Convention and J.D. Greer, and that's what we're going to talk about in this video, has come down and said, yes. That is exactly what's going on, and thus, we must oppose the Mike Law Amendment. At SBC 23, the Mike Law Amendment passed at the convention with somewhere between 60 to 80% of the vote on the floor, which specified that only men can be pastors, and any church in violation of that is not in friendly cooperation with the SBC. This amendment must be be ratified at the 2024 convention in Indianapolis. So we're going to dive into J.D. Greer's thoughts on the matter. But first, I want you to know, Evangelical Dark Web is a Christian news gathering and commentary ministry. You can support us over at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join. That's linked in the description below. That's our Patreon-like system that you can support us at and get extra content but you get extra content for free if you sign up for the Evangelical Dark Web newsletter. But the least you can do is like this video, subscribe to the channel if you are new. So, J.D. Greer wrote this article. I already have my article in response to J.D. Greer written. Uh, and it's called J.D. Greer Comes Out as Functionally Egalitarian because that's what's going on here. Uh, J.D. Greer, if you are unaware, was, was the liberal president who served from 2018 to 2021. He had an illegal third term. Um, he was leader during the height of the convention's most overt woke moments, even partaking himself. And again, yesterday we talked about uh, the race narrative being set up. This is the article that he has written, A Time to Come Together, The Unintended Effects of the Mike Law Amendment. So I'm going to skip ahead because we don't really need to read the context. This is a lot of words saying a very basic point. He doesn't want to be called racist. That's basically what's going on here with J.D. Greer. So this section is important because he's trying to dress up his convictions as um, constitutional and not theological. But this is the, an issue of theology applied. So J.D. Greer writes, I want to be clear on, I want to be clear. I don't oppose this amendment for theological reasons, but constitutional ones. Advocates of the amendment have expressed have an expressed desire to see support of complementarianism clarified and strengthened in our convention. And I support that. This is the wrong mechanism for that. I don't oppose the amendment because I have a desire to see the influential influence of complementarianism weakened in our convention nor am I demurring on the strength of the biblical case for complementarianism. I share the same convictions as those who offered the amendment. I believe, no he doesn't because he opposes it, that's why he doesn't share the same convictions. I believe that there are two officers in the church, pastors also called elders or overseers and deacons. I believe that God has reserved the role of pastor, elder, overseer for men an application of the principle of male headship he wove into creation. At the Summit Church, that's J.D. Greer's church, 
We celebrate many women in our leadership. We have no female pastors nor and no female elders. I believe complementarianism is essential to biblical Baptist faith and practice, and I'm grateful for Baptist faith. Our Baptist faith and message makes that clear. So I want to pause right here and say that I don't really like the term complementarianism anymore. I generally go with patriarchal. I understand that good people use these terms interchangeably. I just think patriarchal is a more biblical term. I think we tried as a church experimenting with the complementarian issue to make it more palatable to the masses. But let's just embrace patriarchy. I think that's a better move at this time. And again, complementarianism has become a very bloated term that is less meaningful over years. So, J.D. Greer continues, I do oppose this amendment because it binds the hands of the Credentials Committee from differentiating between those churches who have committed to, Al, committed to use Al Mueller's words, a grievous error, in this case rejecting complementarianism, and those who I believe have a believe simply have a nomenclature problem. Since the conservative resurgence, we have sought to be united on primary things. Uh, his examples are salvation alone, salvation by faith alone, the bodily resurrection of Jesus, and the inerrancy of the Bible, etc. And secondary things also: complementarianism, believers' baptism, and regenerate church membership. This amendment, however, makes conformity conformity to a tertiary on a tertiary thing, right nomenclature of office, a standard for fellowship. And again, he's wrong on this because it's not about nomenclature, it's about function. Obviously, you know, if someone's listing a female pastor on their website and in the SBC, but they're not functioning as a pastor, that's still wrong as well. But the real issue in the SBC is the scam that's being played that these churches have female pastors in function, but not in title because they're too cowardly to you know, go full bore on their liberalism. That's what's going on here. So, he he writes a lot of words to make a very uh, bloated point. And I want to talk about this section right here. Binding our credentials committee. Here's why this amendment... Uh, has might have unintended effects. With this amendment, if a church is brought to the credentials committee that has a any woman on staff who is a pastor of any kind, such as a woman who oversees their children's ministry or website development, the Constitution mandates that the committee recommends this fellowship. Now, this is a straw man. Because, again, I don't think a children's ministry director, which... Functionally, could be a daycare. It's not functionally a pastor. And again, a website developer isn't functionally a pastor in any way, shape, or form. But a youth pastor, a youth minister is functionally a pastor. A next-gen minister is functionally a pastor. And we expose Brentwood Baptist Church in Tennessee for this very thing. They had female pastors all over the place. But in function, not in title. And they tried coming after us and they lost because they weren't willing to go to court over it because they were liars. So, but I digress. 
They are, by constitutional declaration, not in friendly cooperation, no exceptions. Even if we discern they are indeed complementarian, and this merely inaccurate titling of someone's staff position. So, let's be clear. These churches have a very long time to change their titles to be in line with the Baptist faith and message and the upcoming amendment to the Southern Baptist Constitution. They have a long time to get in on that. They, they have a long time to take corrective action, and they can take a corrective action after... Um, during the process, if they get called out on it, they have the opportunity. If the credentials committee, because the credentials committee has to contact them during their investigation, the credentials committee has to contact this church. If this church says, okay, our bad, we're going to change the titles, then the problem resolves itself. So I... J.D. Greer continues, I've been told by some advocates of the amendment that this is not their intent and that, of course, Southern Baptists would not do that. And yet many advocates of the amendment are calling for and in so doing, they will be, in fact, applying what the literal wording of the Constitution will say. Check it out here if the, it's not unclear what it requires. In his speech on the floor at the annual meeting, the original motion maker specifically said it gives a clear line for handling referrals to the Credentials Committee. The churches that have female pastors of any kind are not in friendly cooperation. Open and shut case. You can't put something to the Constitution and then just not do it. Do what it says. And if you don't intend to do what you put into the Constitution, don't put it in there. But, of course, you know, again, where did Southern Baptists put this conviction? In the Baptist faith and message. They put it in their faith statement. Their creedal document. That's where they put it. They've already gone further than the Constitution of the SBC. So he says, while I don't expect the Credentials Committee to be proactively hunting churches in violation, if they receive from submissions that fill the bill, even submissions that come from a list of 170, they will be bound by our governing documents to, to assess those churches and apply the standards whether they want to or not. And putting this exclusion into our Constitution removes any place for latitude or discernment. No, it doesn't. This is the exorcision, exercising of discernment. <clears throat> That's why the process for revising the Constitution is so cumbersome. It's not that cumbersome. It's actually pretty standard. Uh, Two-thirds vote. Two years in a row. That is far less cumbersome than the PC, uh, PCA. Far less cumbersome than that. Uh, compare how difficult it is to change the Constitution with the fact that the BFM2K, now the BFM23. Again, the BFM2K could be 2000 could use an update. Um, was changed in a space of about four minutes by a simple majority, whereas the constitutional amendment takes two consecutive years of supermajorities. Our constitution is binding and allows nor, no exceptions, no, nor should it. But again, you think that the Baptist faith and message should allow for exceptions? Anyway, uh, I, I want to skip ahead. So this is, again, the scam. That, the scam that's being exposed are the Southern Baptist churches that have female pastors in function, but they don't call them pastors, or they have 
female pastors called pastors, but they're not the senior pastor. So he says some advocates of the amendment have gone on record saying that they would go further than only excluding churches with women on staff called pastors. They believe that the amendment calls them calls them to suss out churches who have women operating under different titles, director, minister, HR director, representative, but are still exercising improper, in their view, authority over men. For example, they might be looking for a woman teaching from a stage in a mixed group setting or teaching from a stage at all, or one who oversees male ministry volunteers or counsel and input at the, high, at the highest levels or baptizing or serving communion. Once they find these infractions, they have indicated they plan to submit them to the credentials committee. I don't say that that is a scare tactic. The original proponent of this amendment have, has said that merely changing the titles without sufficient change to the duties would, by his view, render churches not in friendly cooperation with our convention and thus be disfellowshipped. Personally, I am horrified at the idea of a committee making an inquiry of our church to decide if we have women acting in ways de they deem improper. No thank you. Based on what we have seen of the Credentials Committee, I would hope that they would not go down that road. But this amendment, if this amendment passes, I don't see how they couldn't. Even if they resisted, we are placing a huge burden on the committee of nine volunteers who are already overwhelmed by a backlog of submissions. They are responsible to process and respond to every one of them. Yet they only disfellowship five churches at the last uh, at their last report. So they haven't been doing that much work. Uh, if they have a backlog, they only got five churches out. Maybe some churches, you know, didn't get the recommendation. But let's be clear here. If this passes, they will likely be inundated with mass submissions from those who are determined to police various churches to their own interpretation of how that church should apply complementarianism. So I want to skip to the end because this is uh, this is where he says this is where the ego gets in the way. In Acts 15, Greer writes, the church was at a crisis point as they tried to figure out what gospel unity looked like among churches that disagreed on some secondary matters. And they appointed a group to come up with a solution that seemed good to them and the Holy Spirit. They recognized the unity of the church was a serious matter and they wanted to make take the time to get it right. And so on Tuesday at the New Orleans, of the New Orleans Convention, I stood with several former presidents, James Merritt, Brian Wright, Steve Gaines, Fred Luter, and Ed Litton, the liberals, you know, uh, to call out, to call for our own Acts 15 moment as the future of our cooperative mission depends on what we do here. We want to be doctrinally faithful, and we don't want to change the basis of our cooperation. That has been the, the, our genius for over a century. So that's really what it comes down to. Uh, in J.D. Greer's mind, he thinks he's being in Acts 15. The reality is, he's compromising. Hardcore. So, I believe at the end, I'm going to read what how he finishes. Proponents of this amendment have said it would be tragic to compromise on complementarianism. I agree. But it would be equally tragic. Really, equally tragic. Um... And it seems far more likely, given our moment, to fail to celebrate or even recognize the gifting and calling of more than half the members of our churches. We can and should do both. 
guard our children, guard our doctrine, and set up our sisters to thrive. And that is why we need to take our Acts 15 moment as our African American brothers and sisters are urging us to slow things down and ask for wisdom, allowing the Holy Spirit to find a solution that seems good to us and the Holy Spirit, a solution that will lead to both doctrinal faithfulness and missional flourishing in our churches. The early church took their time, so must we. So that's J.D. Greer's argument. And again, the genius of this amendment is that it binds the credentials committee. So we can get the Southern Baptist. I'm not actually Southern Baptist, but I am 100% lockstep with the conservatives who are actually fighting for the convention. You guys have won me back over to the cause. So here, here's the thing. You guys can expel your opposition. You can expel the liberal churches weaponizing this constitutional amendment and thus change the trajectory of the SBC uh, by changing the demographics who of the messengers. The me and then you have a bunch of conservative churches that still go, and then you can get high offices. You can win the SBC presidency. Just don't nominate Mike Stone or Tom Askell. You nominate someone who can fight. The strategy is there, and this amendment is the push. you got to win this amendment. I think you can do it. So there is hope for the SBC because of this amendment, because this amendment allows the SBC to purge their rot. And I don't care about being called racist for that, but J.D. Greer does. That's the difference. He does not believe in complementarianism, as he calls it, because... When push comes to shove, he has counted the cost of his beliefs and said being called racist is not worth my conviction. So, don't be like J.D. Greer. Be a real Christian and have a blessed day. Let me know what you think about what I think. And we'll catch you on the next one.